Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to Curious K Podcast. And how are you doing today? Uh, it's a very beautiful day here in Lagos, Nigeria. And I'm very excited to be here with you. Uh, and this is the third episode of the podcast. And this is this is very special. Uh, and I just want to sh- say a big shout out to everyone uh, that has been listening to us, that has been uh, listening to every episode that we've dropped so far uh we currently have listeners in over 16 countries still growing and this is just amazing and i also want to say a big shout out to all the entrepreneurs that have had the time uh taking out the time to to be part of the show uh thank you very much for for doing that the goal of the podcast uh as you know uh is to showcase uh african entrepreneurs that are building businesses of impact of on the continent, not just necessarily living in Africa, uh, but living in diaspora as well. And um, to also have conversation with, with with ecosystem drivers, who have the people that are ensuring uh, that these entrepreneurs have the right policies uh, to create the enabling, to create the enabling environment for businesses to thrive, uh, not just in Nigeria, but across Africa. Uh, so today I'll be doing something special. Uh, this podcast uh, will be a review of the nine episodes that we've had on the show so far. Uh, the goal of this is just to distill meanings, insights from the conversation I've had uh, from each of the entrepreneurs and try to understand uh, the similarities uh, in their stories. Uh, what are the things that we can learn uh, as entrepreneurs, as policymakers, somebody that is interested in you know understanding the the Nigeria, the African startup ecosystem, and that is what we're doing on this podcast today. It's the tenth episode. Uh, our, our goal is just to distill the learnings, and we're going to start with uh, the first interview we had, uh, which was with Disu Akim. Uh, Disu Akim is the founder of Coinwa, which is a a peer to peer. Bitcoin trading platform. And what was interesting for me during the podcast with Disu was it started very early, all right? And uh, there was a lot of reference to, to his parents' influence. And uh, even while he was in the university, he started buying corn in remote areas, you know, somewhere in your state. And he's um, going to keep it when the prices is low. And when the prices are high, this guy sells. So there has always been that drive in trying to build something, you know, not just that uh, Coinwa uh, was the first business easy he ever started. He's been doing stuff. He's been experimenting over the years. And um, I think particularly he referenced the fact that his mom had like a, a special influence on him while, while growing up because she, she, she was involved in businesses and he was able to learn a lot from her. And um, starting out, uh, he had the ability to run with opportunities, all right? Because is all the story of him starting out Conway as a platform was so, someone gave him uh, Bitcoin, or like a gift. And some months down the line, he checked it out and he just discovered, wow, this thing has like multiplied. What is happening here? And the curiosity was what led him to, to start out Conway platform. And this did not just build the platform right away he started using third-party applications 
to trade Bitcoin. And um, he was he was just the evangelist for this. He was passionate about it. He was always talking about it. So friends, neighbors, they knew him like the go-to guy when it comes to Bitcoin conversation. And using Todd Party Hap was a process they use, you know, to launch his like uh, his minimum viable product, uh, what what we call the MVP. And um, yeah, and now he, he has his application. He's done six figures in in revenue in USD. I mean, it's just interesting to know to understand the process, you know, of being passionate and being consistent in trying to achieve what you're trying to build as an entrepreneur and he believes there's a lot of opportunities that can be announced in the blockchain uh space in nigeria a, a very unique example he gave is with the voting system which he believes blockchain can be a tool uh to eliminate rigging currently his platform is focusing on mining he said something that uh there are a lot of shit coins out there, and <laughs> that's really interesting for me. Uh, when when he said that, and he said this platform is just focused on on Bitcoin for now. And recently, I think they launched uh, the first loan Bitcoin loan platform in Nigeria and Africa. So I think you can still check out uh, conwire dot com website and and learn a lot about that. And um, so one of the key lessons is the ability to move very fast. Uh, and uh he was able to deal with failures because the, the initial business started failed and um he was able to move and also timing is critical uh, part of the lessons he shared in terms of uh, building a business is it's important to have good management you have to to be available when your customers need you which i think is very critical when you're building a business and um the second episode, uh, it was with Aditola Adele, the co-founder of Eran360. Uh, so starting out Eran360, which is the first uh, bicycle delivery hub service in Nigeria using bicycles. All right. So for him, for Tola, it, it was a personal problem. Right. Um, Tola wanted to have... Uh, Tola actually ordered Amala in his community from a neighborhood canteen. And they were like, he had to pay like 1,000 or 1,500 naira for delivery. And he was like, no. What am I? Why? Why would I pay such an amount just for you to deliver? This is my neighborhood. So that was like very, very striking for him. And he said he had to drive out. He actually had to drive out. And uh, because he, he just thought it doesn't make sense for him paying pay that exorbitant amount on, on delivery. Just some few blocks away uh from his house but after a while he actually reflected on that like i mean these guys probably have um they have a reason for charging this high uh you have to maintain the bike you have to pay the riders a lot of other operational issues and he was like what can i do to make it better and that was a striking point for Tola Dele. He, he wanted to make it better and this was from the personal experience he had with being charged dikes up it and feet what can i do to make it better and i started researching about it and interestingly he walked two years behind the scenes you know trying to understand what can be done better and um earlier this year uh he launched uh the errand 360 platform with 100 bicycles and it's all based on the fact that he just had like these 
compulsive uh, this desire to reduce delivery cost and now the story is also that Aaron 360 is eliminating the carbon footprint uh, and i think is that now they've done uh i think over 2000 deliveries with bikes and um Tola believed in, in starting out small i mean you have to be disciplined you had to drive uh and he also referenced a lot of contribution from his mom. So shout out to all the mothers out there. <laughs> I believe we need we need a lot of female entrepreneurs and uh, we appreciate the love. I mean, uh, this value that you instill in, in children, uh, I think it goes a long way into, into building a better society for, for all of us. And um, another interesting thing Tola said during the, the, the podcast was he wanted to start Aaron 360 with the right product presence. There was this friend of his that he respected so much and he was sharing this idea with him. Hey, hey, my friend, I want to start his bicycle company. And the guy was like, ah, my friend, start with two bikes now. Start with two bicycles. And he felt very bad. He was like, what do you mean? How can I start with two bicycles? I mean, there's not even any company in China that's going to brand two bicycles for you. So I think the lesson in that is you have to understand how to launch out your product or your business with the right uh, product presence. And um Right now, he's having conversations with investors and uh, the feedback has been traction. What have you done so far? Uh, initially, they started with a B2C uh, business to consumer, uh, but they've pivoted the business model now to B2B. And in terms of team building, he said most of his co-founders are his friends, uh, which also uh, tells us that it's important for you to know who you're going into business with because business is like a marriage. Uh, you probably have more conversation with your with your business partner than your than your spouse. Uh, so he, he believes in friendship. He, he believes in uh, building businesses with his friends, people that he trusts. All right. So now uh, on the third episode uh, was with Paul Kelvin. Uh, Paul Kelvin is the founder of Gas Monkey, and Gas Monkey is simply trying to build a clean cooking gas uh, for the future. And um, what was interesting to me about this business is that apart from the problem he was trying to solve, he understood the trend in real estate businesses uh, as a driver for his businesses uh, because you're building new houses. Uh, Gas Monkey wants to make it, uh, uh, wants to make clean cooking uh, safe for all households. Imagine you have a, uh, a building complex of 100 houses does that mean you have to bring in 100 cylinders into the apartment uh, like he said during his presentation to the governor of Lagos state uh, some months back i mean that's like 100 ch- chances of getting the the houses burnt down uh so paul is trying to change his narrative and something interesting he's trying to do is also uh to make it easy for people to buy gas in micro units with his, his unique IoT Internet of Things device that is connected to the gas. And um, this also started from trying to solve a personal problem. So uh, while growing up, uh, Paul experienced a lot of uh, debt in terms of family members because of in-house gas pollution and he just felt i mean this has to stop 
this has to stop. Uh, so it was like building this business was like a life calling for him. He knew he knew this problem existed. He has experienced some of the issues personally. And he, he just felt, I mean, if I don't do it, nobody else is going to do this. And um, that was how we started. And while uh, while he was also living in Europe, he learned things are done differently. He never saw his gasolina or anything like that. So when he came back to Nigeria, he, he knew that was the right businesses for him to do. And... Um, it gave ideas on how government can improve policies uh, when it comes to uh, clean cooking gas. Uh, there was this thing by the government recently where they want to make gasoline that's affordable. But this same government came out with a, with a research that over 90% of gasoline that's in Nigeria are expired. But they are creating a program where they want to give out more cylinders. The question is how will this be monitored? And the only news you just hear is gas uh, cylinder explosion, fire outbreak. I mean, because once you have a cylinder, uh, you, you don't really care about the expiry date. I mean, you just keep using it as long as it's serving you. You don't even want to believe that it has expired as a user. So why not create, why not, uh, why don't we have that framework, uh, you know, as a government to ensure that we're not just giving our cylinders, uh, we can work with businesses, uh, that can manage the process for final consumers. And this is just going to keep us safe and, and keep the community safe. Yes. Uh, so on the fourth episode, uh, I hope you, you, you're, you're having a good time while listening to this. Uh, on the fourth episode, we had a conversation with Abby Offrey. Uh, Abby Offrey is the founder of GeroCare. GeroCare started, uh, well, the why of GeroCare was very simple. I mean, at a point, uh, he received, Abby received a call from his mom saying uh, he has neglected them. This was after his dad had stroke and uh, his mom dealt with high blood pressure. And being a medical doctor was like, wow, why would I want to neglect my folks? You know, so this got him thinking and as an entrepreneur, uh, because during the podcast, he referenced he has actually been building businesses for, for even before he started GeroCare. He just felt he had to do something differently. And this led to the establishment of GeroCare, uh, which is a company that provides regular visits uh, to the elderly. Uh, so kids uh, can subscribe for their parents, even, even if you're not in Nigeria and your folks are going to have regular doctor visits in their homes uh, based based on your subscription. So the call from Evie's mom was what ignited the establishment of GeroCare. All right. And um, an interesting thing he said is that uh, during, uh, before he actually built the platform, he, he started his MVP offline in a product called Back in the Days uh, that he actually had people uh, that he was visiting their parents uh, regularly and he was getting paid for that. And that kind of validated the market from him because, okay, if I can do this offline, people are really interested. Uh, people want to take care of your parents. That means there is a business in this. And uh, he was able to, to get into uh, Ventures Platform uh, because it started raising money very early 
uh, in the business and um during the program they raised their seed and um part of the reason he, he gave why they were accepted into the program was because of the pedigree of the founding teams uh, he's been a doctor for over 12 years as, as at that time he had uh, a co-founder that has been building software solutions for for over 15 years uh, and the team just made a lot of sense even though like they did not have like an mvp product online the background and the experience of the founders was what was what led them to being accepted uh into the program and we also had a conversation about his mba program so uh uh abby uh believes that jerry care itself it's a case study of uh of the blue ocean strat strategy uh uh, which he learned uh, during his MBA program. And uh, Blue Ocean Strategy is basically creating uncontested market and making the competition irrelevant. Uh, and there are six steps to this, uh, to convert ordinary business to innovative business. He said he learned this during his MBA and he was able to apply to Jeroke. Um, in, in the course of that, I mean, they've, they've had a lot of innovative products uh, as part of Jeroke. And then the very interesting one is the Metro Atelier to Box. And... Um, which is very interesting, built for people in the rural areas uh, where there are no competitions. The impact is amazing right now. And um, we also had a conversation about funding in Nigeria tech ecosystem. And they believe for them, uh, less money at a point means they were more productive. And they had experiences where local investors pulled out in the last minute. And But it's getting interesting right now. And they have clear of mission all right so abby said medical inclusion that is what we are all about i mean our goal is to provide the underserved people by leveraging technology focusing you know on helping the marginalized people so i think that's really really amazing what abby uh is doing right now uh so let's go on a quick break and we'll be right back This episode is brought to you by Skills Base Africa. Skills Base Africa is introducing a free course for those who want to study a journey in becoming a stock trading professional or just want to be their portfolio. In the course, participants will learn how to set up dummy portfolio and trade continuously. The course is based on the principles and mechanics of stock trading as well as basic fundamental analysis, such as the economic and business environment, company financials, and sentiment. To register, go to skillsbaseafrica.com slash I-N-T. S-K-I-L-L-S-B-A-S-E africa.com. Africa. All right, yeah. So welcome back to Curious K Podcast. Uh, we've been having and uh, distilling lessons and conversation we have we've had with entrepreneurs on the show, and right now we are moving over to the conversation we had with Mr. Bankolio Lauren Toba, CEO of NCIC Nigeria Climate Innovation Center, and um, during the conversation, Mr. Bankolio was able to break it down uh, in terms of what NCNC, uh, the mandate of NCNC was, which is one venture building. Uh, anchoring the ecosystem and facilitating foreign direct investment around 
great investment into the country. And um, uh, it's been exciting. Uh, it believes there is a lot of work that has to be done. And that clear impact in achieving sustainable growth looks like uh, what can be happening in the next 10 years. Uh, he also believes in the top-to-bottom approach, which is a lesson learned in, in uh, from Finland ecosystem, uh, where there are political parties championing green or circular economy and he believes that there is it's important to have availability of long-term financing uh, and uh, he suggests that uh, Nigeria can also have a more structured economy policy uh, we can have like a green agency or a commission focused on uh, on green uh, and this doesn't take away the power of the environmental uh, ministry uh, another key had a reference to during during the podcast uh was this loop model and book by the by the finnish model and he, he, it was highly recommended for for people interested in and uh, trying to understand the loop model in uh in the green space uh he also referenced like the innovation agency called citra uh, which is focused on investing in, in futuristic technology and part of the key thing he said is that we don't even have to be the first financiers in, in any new technologies well we can also be co-financiers and his view on the trajectory of the nigeria tech ecosystem is that there's been growth over the years uh, back in 2010 to 2015 um it was mostly about mobile applications, competitions, these, everything was about mobile applications, uh, but things have evolved and um, it believes uh, uh, we can we can also work to build more talent and he had a very simple idea to do this. He said, I mean, why can't we go back uh, to secondary school and start teaching them design thinking, robotics, coding, programming, and um and even use local languages to teach these skills. That if we as a country design a 20-year plan for digital skills, I mean, we can actually have a path uh, to be a country with clear goals and building our talents. I mean, UN says maybe by uh, 2100, I mean, Nigeria is going to have a population of like 700 million people. And we'll probably double our population uh, to like 400 or 500 million people by 2050. Uh, so he believes a lot in catching them young and there's a lot of things we can do in terms of simplifying our curriculum, gamifying knowledge. And uh, we also had a conversation about innovation hubs. How can hubs collaborate more? And part of what he said is, I mean, innovation hubs right now should start thinking of adopting research model because nobody funds hub operations again. And he also referenced the fact that uh, we can use or uh, local hubs can f- collaborate better. I mean, and this can also help to to enhance financing uh, when different hubs solve problems from different p- perspectives. And um, on the seventh episode, we we moved to we took a quick stop at Tanzania, and I had a very amazing conversation with Winula. Uh, Winula is a founder of Tunza. And during that conversation, the why for Winula was very simple. It was a personal problem, you know, of managing personal finances. And uh, at a point in 2019, he realized that I'm making money, but I mean, where is everything going? I mean, uh, where, is, where are all the money going into? And um, he started to have conversation with people to understand, I mean, am I the only one? having this problem and he was able to build Tunza which is a platform that help users to manage their finances better.
And in trying to validate the ideas, he had conversation with people in the rest of the lab. Uh, he had conversation with businesses as well. And um, he's currently building his product right now in, in Tanzania. And the growth has been amazing. And uh, we also had conversation about mobile money in Tanzania. He gave a very interesting data by GSM. Uh, over 27 billion US dollars has been transacted using mobile money, you know, in Tanzania, which is massive. And um, in terms of funding, it's currently bootstrapping. Uh, Winula clearly stated, I mean, he's still building the product and he wants to learn more about building a product and uh, very soon he will be exploring uh raising investment uh for the product and of course when it's time for scale you'll be looking at lagos and nairobi and um we had a very simple uh conversation about uh, a product built in 2015 which is gumzo uh, gumzo is like a, a voice sharing application it built back then and um now we have uh, startups like Clubhouse that are doing like similar things uh, built back in the years and the question was like how did you deal with that I mean you built something that failed and now you have another company that is like doing well and his response was very simple startup is brutal was what he said i mean it's brutal i mean i don't have to take this personal uh because when building something you have to learn to be dynamic you have to learn uh from your mistakes i mean there are different things that makes a business successful and one of the key things is probably timing uh so he realized it fact that the time it was not probably right at that time uh it was building uh the startup in Dar es Salaam clubhouse was launched in um silicon valley they were able to raise investment quickly so there's this lot of um different views and perspective he was able to actually uh deal with the fact that i mean that's business that's life you have to move on you don't have to take things personal uh a typical example he gave is uh you have snapchat release a product today and tomorrow you have instagram picking it up tiktok picking it up i mean it's just the game uh the emphasis was what can you do to keep evolving yourself uh as a business all the time and now uh we had another amazing conversation with Andrew Arello Ugbe, uh, the founder of Oga Venue and Lenko. And the story, the why for, for Andrew was very simple as well. It was a personal problem. Sometimes ago, I think 2012, um, his other sister uh, wanted to get married. And he, as a last born, he was taxed with finding the venue for the, for the, for the marriage in, in Benin. And uh, Andrew said it took him a week driving around the city of Benin and before he was able to get a venue. And that just didn't make sense for him. He was like, why can't there be something called Google for venues? Why can't I just search venues in Benin? And I solved the problem. So for him, uh, that was like the, the, the lightning cut in terms of uh, what led to the establishment of Oga Venue. Uh, he wanted to, to solve that problem. He knew, he felt this can be done better. And um, that was his, that was the story of Oga Venue starting out. And another key thing he said when we were having, when we were having conversation about funding uh, was that 
uh, he knew Andrew knew what he wanted very early in starting out at that venue. And uh, an interesting thing is that he was able to uh, make himself accountable. So something he did was that he he did a search on LinkedIn and just had identified people that he looked up to uh, in the tech ecosystem, and he was giving them like review every month just to get his feedback, just to make himself accountable. And from doing that, he was able to raise his first investment from Jason Ujoku uh, of Rock TV and um, Mark Hessen of. Uh, of hotels that Henji. So the interesting learning point for me there uh, was the fact that as entrepreneurs and business owners, it's important to understand that you have to be accountable. I've had people that say, okay, I'm, I want to do business because I just want to be in control of everything. <laughs> no, I mean, if you even if you don't have uh, a board of advisory right now, just like what Henry did, I mean, the fact that you're able to understand the importance of building a reporting system very early, yeah, I think it's very, very important. And that led Andrew to to, 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 to get in his first check and um, to grow his business into like 30 venues, you know, across Africa and um, UAE. And um, was able to also raise um, series of funding. And um, he has always been low key with it. I asked him a question that what was it like uh raising follow-up investment and they said they closed most of these investment very fast and the investors are like ah, you guys are very impressive numbers and then why are you guys not going to the media and stuff and he said for them they always see it as this is the first day this is the first day and uh just just keep grinding and um i think that is a very powerful lessons we can learn as entrepreneurs and um at a point uh, the business evolved as a result of the COVID-19 hit and um, they had to pivot to business banking uh, and they were able to be that, build that and also build a business, build a new business model from that. And the fact is that um, even during the COVID-19 hit on the business, I mean, the founders, I mean, the investors thought, I mean, so many businesses fail. But he was still able to keep the communication channel open and the trust was there. And now he's building Lenko, uh, which is an amazing uh, new bank for businesses. All right. So as we're moving uh, on the eighth episode, we had a very interesting conversation with Blessing Cormo, uh, the founder of the Rehobot Studios. So the Rehobot Studios uh, was founded by Blessing just before her 19th birthday and the why for her was simple uh she wanted to save lives and help people make better health decisions this has just been a passion so like i said for blessing uh a why was simple uh she wanted to save lives and help people make better health decisions and um she said uh, i'm uniquely unique <laughs> and i just find that very interesting and um she went for a course in phytomedicine while still in medical school uh just to be able to get the right knowledge a licensing to start uh to start a business and um part of in terms of impact uh, what she does is uh she does medical outreach to help educate people that that do a lot of herbs and a company teaches them on how to uh, to even prepare this to avoid contamination and um and now she has a company in highland uh she recently uh launched a very 
uh, innovative product. Uh, I think you just have to check out the episode and learn a lot about uh, what Blessing is doing. And on the ninth episode, uh, the conversation was with Confidence Odionye, uh, the president of Bitron. And this is a very interesting story for me because um, I was in the same incubation program with Confidence, uh, I think back in 2015. And what Confidence was building uh, was a traffic management platform basically to solve traffic problem in Lagos and Nigeria. And at a point, it was able to help move over 10,000 people uh, to their destination successfully. Uh, But it was hard for him to monetize that. And at a point, he still also wanted to make the product better. Like, okay, can can, can we help people move from point A to point B and they can see this in real time? Can we up can we give them real life video feeds and that was where the the drone idea came up from and um inquiry further uh he, he was able to discover there are a lot of applications for drone not just taking pictures or getting video feeds there are a lot of applications in agriculture in oil and gas in mining and that's where beach drone was launched and the company was uh, incorporated as part of Transcellu Technologies, and um, so far they've they've, they've helped uh, impacted over fifty thousand acres of fi- farmlands in terms of spraying. I, I also worked with the oil and gas and mining industry, and one of the key things confidence said is he believes a lot. It's important for people, individuals, entrepreneurs to have negotiation skills. Uh, he said we negotiate every day, and. That is just a very important skill for everybody to to have. And um, we had a conversation about the drone utilization in Nigeria. Uh, so far, uh, Confidence uh, said we have like 85 million hectares of arable land in Nigeria. And um, that requires like 8.5 million drones. So can we depend on China to manufacture 8 million 8.5 million drones for us and uh so confidence is trying to solve that problem by building an ecosystem i try to bridge the knowledge gap he's currently he currently have a partnership with the university of ibadan where they will be training people uh in drones flying uh repair and he's also uh in conversation with the gov- government of Ondo state uh, where they will be manufacturing the form body of drones. And the whole idea is to help reduce the dependency on China for drone manufacturing and to also help build uh, talent, uh, not, uh, help bridge the knowledge gap in, in the drone industry in Nigeria. Wow. Thank you for, for staying tuned. Uh, thank you for, for staying tuned to this time. Uh, I mean, it's been a whole lot of amazing uh, uh conversation we've had uh with these beautiful amazing entrepreneurs building great businesses uh the 10th episode basically is just to do a breakdown uh just to distill some of the learnings uh some of the things the interesting things these entrepreneurs and ecosystem enablers are doing and uh we promise to to bring in more uh more interesting content to have great interviews and, and to make the podcast even better. So thank you very much. Uh, my name is Colapo, uh, the host of Curious K podcast, and see you soon. Bye-bye.